Welcome to PQ Doc on Call, a podcast dedicated to current and aspiring intensivists. My name is Pradeep Kamath. I'm a pediatric critical care physician and an associate professor at Emory University School of Medicine. And my name is Dr. Rahul Demania, currently a second year pediatric critical care fellow. We are very appreciative of you tuning in. Our third episode is dedicated to pediatric stroke. We are delighted to have Dr. Alisa Ortolani, Assistant Professor of Pediatrics in the Division of Child Neurology, as well as an Assistant Professor of Neurology at Emory University School of Medicine. Dr. Ortolani has a strong clinical interest in pediatric vascular disease and is one of the few pediatric neurologists who has completed a formal adult stroke fellowship. She is currently actively helping to develop a pediatric stroke program at Children's Healthcare of Atlanta. I will turn it over to Rahul to start with our patient case. Today, we present a five-year-old, previously healthy, full-term male, who presents to the emergency department for left arm and left leg weakness over the past day. His mother noticed these symptoms upon awakening and noticed the patient having a subtle left-sided lip droop with some associated drooling. Of note, he has had cold symptoms for the past two days, however, has been afebrile. In the emergency department, his workup was notable for a CT revealing a hypodensity in the right basal ganglia region concerning for possible stroke. He was subsequently admitted to the pediatric intensive care unit for further monitoring and workup. Dr. Ortolani, this case definitely highlights pediatric stroke. However, right off the bat, when you hear this story, what are some other differentials you think of? Sure. Well, first of all, I just want to say thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here and have the opportunity to talk about something I feel so passionately about. Um, This is a great case and beautifully highlights um, pediatric stroke and, and something that I see every day. When I think about these types of patients, um, I kind of put them into the acute neurologic symptoms differential. And so anytime something happens abruptly, there's about four major things that I think about. The first is an acute vascular event, whether that be an ischemic stroke or um, some sort of a hemorrhagic event. The second is a seizure associated with the Todd's paralysis. Um, The third being some sort of migraine phenomenon, such as a migraine with aura that's going to give you some hemiplegia. And then the fourth kind of rapid onset um, thing that I think about would be some sort of acute toxidrome. Um, And so that's kind of my working differential diagnosis for an acute onset neurologic complaint. If we are thinking uh, stroke in this patient, how would you define uh, stroke, especially in pediatrics? Sure. So a stroke is an acute onset of neurologic symptoms or signs that we attribute to some sort of interruption in the blood flow to the brain. From a clinical standpoint, there's some tools that can help guide us to reach that diagnosis. And so um, the American Heart Association has used the acronym FAST and recently has now evolved into FASTER. So FASTER being F for facial droop, A for arm weakness, S for um, stability, T for talking or speech, um, E for vision changes or eyes, 
um, and then R for react. And so this kind of walks you through the most common clinical presentation of stroke and then reminds you that uh, time is brain and so you need to act quickly. It seems like early recognition is a key to the diagnostic framework. What are some risk factors for uh, pediatric stroke? Yeah, so pediatric stroke have very unique risk factors. Um, they're very different from the common adult risk factors, which are things like hypertension and high cholesterol. In kids, the most common things are children that have um, changes in their blood vessels. And so in Atlanta, we see a lot of um, a large population of sickle cell disease that have a risk for vasculopathy. There's a condition called Moya Moya disease that places children at a great risk of increased risk of having strokes. Congenital cardiac disease is also a major risk factor, as well as kids that have an increased chance of forming blood clots or have an underlying um, thrombophilia. And then the last um, risk group is really the systemic conditions like inflammatory diseases, connective tissue diseases, and then mitochondrial diseases like MELOS disease. It seems very important to assess a child's past medical history, um, especially if stroke is uh, at the top of your uh, differential. When we think about a diagnostic framework of stroke from an imaging as well as lab standpoint, what would be some of your uh, recommendations? Sure. So um, if you have a child that presents with a focal complaint, um, you want to be able to obtain imaging as quickly as possible. The goal is to get um, an MRI, because um, that's really going to give us the most diagnostic information. However, if there's any delay, um, certainly we want to get some information. And so a CT scan can be um, helpful as well. So an MRI is going to tell us one, is there a stroke or is there not a stroke? Um, and it's also going to tell us whether or not if there's no stroke, if we're dealing with some other different pathologies, such as demyelinating disease um, or some sort of um, uh, tumor or another condition. The other advantage of an MRI over a CT scan is that there is um, less radiation and contrast exposure. CT scans are good at identifying bleeds, but in the acute setting, they are, don't do as good of a job of telling us whether or not there's an acute stroke because it takes some time for that stroke to develop. Dr. Kamat, as intensivists, we are tasked to sometimes sedate these uh, children prior to sending them to MRI. What are some pearls in terms of sedation, which you would like to highlight? I think what I would say is don't make sedation or the need for intubation slash anesthesia a barrier to getting a, a quick MRI the child needs. Of the MRIs that are done uh, to make a diagnosis of uh, stroke are really, really short. They are like about 10 to 12 minutes. And uh, any child who can be, uh, you know, uh, uh, who needs a, uh, uh, this MRI can be sedated using some mild sedative or a moderate sed uh, moderately sedating agent without really the need for intubation uh, or, or waiting for anesthesiology. So the idea here is to get the MRI quickly because it's a very short uh, uh, MRI. It seems like children don't have to be as uh, deeply sedated for these uh, quick uh, MRIs. Moving on to the management of pediatric stroke. Dr. Ortolani, we hear in adults a uh, push in an ideal time period for TPA. 
Is there a role for TPA in pediatric stroke? Yeah, so there's two major um, um, available treatments for the acute management of stroke. The first is TPA, the clot busting drug, um, which is uh, proved in adults to be given um, with the last seen well less than four and a half hours. In children, um, we had a, there was an NIH trial called the TIP study, which was looking at the use of TPA between two and the ages of two to 18, using the same inclusion and exclusion criteria as adults. So basically a child who presents with a neurologically disabling um, complaint within four and a half hours. Um, while this trial unfortunately was um, shut down early because inability to recruit enough patients um, we still offer children TPA because there's a general consensus that TPA is safe to use in kids. And we actually use the same dose that we use in adults and children. Um, we think that this is, um, is um, safe to be used in, in children. And if anything, we actually think the dose is probably not even high enough because the kids, kids have a different clotting cascade than, than adults do. For diagnosis of pediatric stroke, it is often said that it could be delayed. What do you think are some barriers which can delay uh, the recognition of pediatric stroke? Yeah, so unfortunately, there's multiple barriers in the diagnosis of pediatric stroke. The first is um, a child actually seeking medical attention. Um, and that is because we oftentimes don't um, think about stroking kids. Um, the amount of people that when I tell them I'm a stroke doctor say, children have strokes, um, I get that often. And so parents aren't thinking stroke when their child develops weakness or numbness. So the first is getting to the hospital. Once they're at the hospital, the second delay is the um, first line providers recognizing that we might be dealing with an acute vascular event. Um, and then the last is getting the child the appropriate um, diagnostic tools, and so the access to MRI. And so there is often a delay, one, if MRI is available, if it's in the evening or the weekend, um, oftentimes pediatric facilities don't have access to MRI. And the other barrier, like we kind of um, discussed before, is in younger children that like to move a lot, um, if they need any additional sedation. But we hope to eliminate that by using these short sequence, rapid sequence MRIs, um, and avoiding needing to sedate these kids. It seems like pediatric stroke also has a uh, collaborative uh, team-based uh, component. As you are developing a uh, pediatric stroke program here at our institution, who are some key stakeholders uh, which you uh, rely upon uh, to take care of uh, children who present with uh, stroke-like symptoms? Yeah, so um, it really takes a village to take care of a child who has a pediatric stroke. And so when the, um, the child first arrives um, at the hospital, the first line is the emergency room providers recognizing that we're dealing with an acute stroke. Um, from there, it goes to working with our radiology team um, to get them access to MRI and using the appropriate protocols. If a child is a candidate for TPA, we work with our pharmacist to appropriately dose and administer the clot busting drug. Um, if a child is a candidate for um, a mechanical thrombectomy being a procedure to remove um, a large blood clot from the brain, we collaborate with our adult intervention team um, to determine whether or not that child potentially could benefit from the treatment. Um, 
from there, we move on to our pediatric ICU team um, who is able to um, help stabilize the child and make sure we have close monitoring um, in the acute uh, setting of these critically ill children. Um, we collaborate with our hematologist because we move on to the prevention piece being how are we going to prevent this child from having more events using antiplatelets or anticoagulants, um, whichever we feel like is necessary. And then the final piece of the puzzle is moving the child towards getting them back to their functional baseline as close um, to how they were before the stroke. And so we work with our rehab doctors and all of our therapists in order to provide them the most support um, to be able to um, get back to where they were. Dr. Ortolani, would it be fair to say that uh, a child presenting at an adult community hospital should be rapidly transferred to a tertiary or a coordinary care children's hospital for their stroke management? Yes. What a great uh, discussion today. Dr. Ortolani, did you have some uh, take-home pearls uh, for our listeners, something that we can uh, kind of take and practically apply? Yeah, so I, I think the most important thing is to always keep stroke on your differential. Why? While it is rare and um, a, a child who presents with a neurologic complaint, a stroke is only going to be the cause in about 7% of those kids. If you're not actively thinking about it, you're going to miss it. And so um, if a child has an acute change, even if it's a, not a focal change, if it's just altered mental status, or balance issues or dizziness, always think about, could this be related to an acute vascular event? And so, um, you know, when in doubt, call your stroke neurologist and talk about the case. Um, and we're, we're here to help. Wonderful. We thank you so much for uh, having this discussion uh, with us. In summary today, we talked about pediatric stroke and how acute neurological um, deficits and changes in children may be subtle, but early recognition is going to be key. Once we have stroke at our uh, forefront of our differential, uh, we talked about imaging modalities, the utilization of very rapid sequence MRIs. We talked about the collaborative team-based approach in terms of management with uh, endovascular therapy, as well as uh, the use of TPA after a uh, discussion. And we really hope that this uh, podcast uh, gives you a great appreciation for uh, pediatric stroke, especially the uh, faster uh, mnemonic, which can help you recognize uh, a child who may potentially present with a stroke. Uh, thank you, Dr. Ortolani. Thank you.